Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Sunday's not enough in the world we live in. Lord have mercy, sometimes what we do is not enough in the world we live in. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Lamentations tonight. While you're turning there to chapter number 3, verse number 22. You're going to men's conference. The train leaves the station on Friday at noon. Bags are on the rail station. You're waiting on the train to come in and open the doors. Amen. Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 22. Let me tell you something. Wednesday night, and I know I'm preaching to the choir because those of you that are here obviously have figured this out. Wednesday nights are tough. If we're going to be honest with each other, they're tough. Uh, But they're worth it. And I have found that uh, all it takes is just a little bit of effort, a little lifting of the hand, a little, a little joining in of the worship, a little joining in of the praise. And Bishop, I start feeling just a little bit better than I did when I got here. We can ill afford to come to church and leave the same as we were when we got here. That's a breeding ground for the enemy to attack. We need to be different. Lamentations 3.22, thank you for standing. The Bible says, it is, <coughs> excuse me, of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. I will be very conscious of your time tonight. I have about a three and a half hour lesson prepared. Y'all need to sharpen your sense of humor just a little bit. We're not going to be here long. We're going to be here long enough to hear the Lord, and we're going to go. But I've got a thought tonight I want to leave with you. My hope is in him. I just want to try to encourage someone tonight. And I might be encouraging you not for today, but for tomorrow. Because the word of the Lord is that powerful that sometimes we hear things that, you know, I can say amen because it's true, but it's really not relevant to me today. But there is a day. Because life's not easy, and life changes in a moment. So what I've got to say tonight may not help you today, but I sure hope that it helps your tomorrow. Father, we love you today. We are eternally grateful for your power and your presence. God, your word is anointed. I ask you to help me tonight, Lord, to speak what you would have to be spoken to this congregation tonight. Help us to be an encouragement this evening by the word of God. Lord, we'll return 
praise and glory and honor to you for it and thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord bless you for standing with me. And if I cough here and there, please forgive me. The uh, humidity the last couple of days has got a bulldog grip on me right now, so I'm trying to fight that. My hope, <clears throat> my hope is in him. After reading the first verse of our text this evening, I am very thankful. I stand before you tonight very thankful for the Lord's mercies. We serve a good God. Uh, we serve a God that is so good that he does the things for us that we know about. He does things for us that we're aware of. He, he provides for us. He heals us. He performs miracles. He, uh, he, he, he pays bills sometimes. Some of you may not know that, but he's, he's a bill payer. He, he provided a promise for us in Malachi 3.11 that he would rebuke the devourer for our sake. Now, I know we got to back up a verse and we have to qualify that of those that give. I know there's a financial connection there. I didn't come to talk about money tonight, but I'm glad that I serve a God that is so powerful tonight that he not only does the things that I see and that I'm aware of, but he does things that I don't even know. The Bible tells us that we entertain angels unaware. So I have to believe tonight, Brother Freddie, that if we entertain angels and we don't even know it, I have to believe somewhere in the supernatural, if our eyes could be completely open to the Spirit, that we would see God fighting battles that we don't even know are happening. We would see angels of God going before us and clearing a path and making crooked ways straight that we don't even know they're crooked right now. We just keep walking, and as we walk, the path just continues to get straight. That's how great of a God that we serve. His mercies are amazing in our life. They're so amazing that it's because of those mercies we're not consumed. And the scripture insinuates that I should also be grateful for the Lord's compassion. Now, I'm, I'm not known to be the most compassionate dude there is. I admit that. It's a struggle sometimes, Brother Terry. Those of you that know me know that. Those of you that don't know me, hello, my name is Jerry. I'm not that compassionate. I have to try. I have to be very intentional. And sometimes whenever I try, it feels absolutely fake. That's me. I'm, I'm trying to draw a comparison here, all right? But God's not that way. He cares about the smallest detail. He cares about things that, that we can't even fathom. His compassion runs so deep for us. I hear an awful lot these days about the Lord's mercy. We hear a lot about mercy. We hear a lot about grace. We hear a lot about what God does. But we don't hear a whole lot about His compassion and the Bible tells us plain and simple that it is the Lord's mercy and His compassion that because of that, that we are not consumed. That saves us on a daily basis. Something that is very fantastic in this verse of Scripture is not only is it that His mercy and His compassion save us from being consumed, but it's renewed every day. Now that's pretty powerful. 
That means, now I'm not trying to write anybody a blank check here tonight, but that means very simply that if, if I mess up today and I barely make it through the day without being consumed and it's only, I lay my head on my pillow at night and say, it's only because of the Lord's mercy and His compassion that I'm still here. When I wake up the next day, it's brand new. It's as if my struggle from the day before didn't even happen. His mercy is so new today that you would think I would have exhausted His mercy yesterday with my, my flub up. But no, He renews it every day. That's how great His mercy is and that's how great His compassion is. <clears throat> Jeremiah proclaims the Lord is my portion. He's helping me. He's serving my, my hope is in my helper or the one who serves on my behalf. Sometimes the only thing that keeps us going is the hope that something's going to get better. You ever been there? Maybe you're there now, I don't know. But, but sometimes when people are suffering in their body or they're suffering in life, the only thing that helps them put one foot in front of the other is just the simple hope that someday something's going to get better. And, and I, I just want you to know tonight, and this is just a very simple thought I want to leave with you today, but we've got hope in Him. And our hope in Him can be so great that I don't have to just blindly and, and haphazardly hope that someday something's going to get better. I can look to Him and know that even if it doesn't get better in this life, in that life, it's going to get better. I've got a hope in Him that goes beyond the grave, that goes beyond the here and now, that goes beyond my current situation. Someone who is suffering emotional trauma must have hope that the night won't be so dark. Someone who is depressed has to have hope that there is a brighter day coming. I've dealt with people, you've dealt with them, I'm sure we've all dealt with them on some level, people who have either lost the will to live or they're, they're bordering pretty close. And this emotion happens only when a person has no hope. They feel that the current situation is so vast and so great that there is nothing that can make their situation improve. Many times when a person loses hope, depression sets in. And it's times like these that the person loses their will to live. The thing that keeps many going, as we've already said before, is the hope that the current dilemma will soon end. But a person who's lost all hope, there's no remedy for their situation. Outside of a miracle from God that only He can orchestrate, you and I can do nothing for a person who's lost all hope. There is nothing we can do to help them other than to pray for them. There are no words that can be said, no acts of love that can drill through a person's mind who has lost hope. It's been said before that someone who has to lose it all or they must reach the very bottom in order to change. Sometimes when people reach the very bottom, they never lift back up to the top. But I also believe sometimes this is an illusion. Maybe that we aren't reaching the bottom like we thought we were. But it's an illusion of our enemy that wants us to believe that we have no hope. Because if he can convince you that you have no hope, then he will destroy your vision. 
He will destroy your dreams. He will get in the way of your victory and he will stop you short of what you need to be doing for God. See, here's, here's a basic fact. Everybody here, I realize we've got slim church tonight, that's okay, but everybody who is here has a call of God on their life. The call of God is not restricted to just the person who stands behind this pulpit. The call of God goes to every man and every woman, every child, every teenager, every college student. The call of God knows no age limit and it knows no boundaries. That call of God is not necessarily that you preach or teach, but there is a direction that God has for every one of us and if we will all find our place in God. See, that's the key. If we will all find our place in God, then it's no telling what God can do through each and every person. I, I know of a church tonight, a, a large church. I won't call them by name. They're not in this community. But a very large apostolic church uh, that, that runs close to about 3,500 every service. And uh, in their church, they have two gentlemen, two, count them, two, that every year that they are teaching in excess of 900 Bible studies and baptizing in excess of 900 people in Jesus' name every year. Just those two. Nearly a third of that church's growth has come from two people. That's two people that found their place in God. What can you imagine would happen in that particular facility if those two people lost their hope? Nearly a thousand people wouldn't be saved. So I, I ask you a question tonight just to provoke us to thinking, who is not saved tonight because we may be losing hope? My hope is in Him. I've got to get my hope off of myself off of mechanisms, off of programs. Programs are great, but the church that has the most programs is not the most spiritual church. Our priority needs to be that we're saved first. Programs can come later, but I've got to be saved and I've got to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what helps me maintain my hope. It's in Him I have my hope. Satan will transpire every event of life that he can against you. Every conceivable lie that he can pull up to be presented against you, he will do it. And he don't even have the guts to do it to your face. I can handle a whole lot if you tell me. You tell someone else about me, uh, that, that gets on my nerves. But he's, he's, a, he's a weak one. He's a sissy. He's not a God. I, I think sometimes we idolize the devil to the point that we think he's the God of, of, of evil. And that there's this God versus the devil, good versus evil thing. It, it's not God versus anybody, it's just God. He told Isaiah, I looked across the heavens and I, I, I don't see anybody else. There is not another God. No, not one. There is no God of evil. 
He's an angel. He's an angel that has fallen because of pride and arrogance. And he's so much an angel that there's a song he can't sing. There's a redemption song that even before he fell, he could not sing. There are things that we have a right to that the devil never did. Somebody say amen. So all of these events happen. They transpire in our lives for one reason, one purpose. And that's for you to lose hope. No matter how horrible the canvas looks tonight, I want you to remember that the picture isn't always real. It's not always what you see. Because he is a master illusionist. And if he can cause you to lose hope, then he stopped you from enacting the will of God in your life. The will of God in your life may be to just keep your family safe. I don't know what it is. But I do know, rest assured, that there is a will of God for your life. Jeremiah said that the Lord's compassions fail not. He said that the Lord's compassions are new every morning. And Jeremiah's soul said, therefore will I hope in him. Jeremiah was qualified to speak these words. If we, if we comb through the preceding verses of this chapter, and I'll go through them rather quickly. If we look into his calamities of Lamentations chapter 3, verse 1, he has felt the rod of wrath. Verse 2, he's been led into darkness. Verse 3, he felt the Lord's hand was turned against him. Verse 4, his bones have been broken. Verse 5, he has been compassed with gall and travail. In number 6, he's been set in places with the dead. Now, let me, let me just pause right here for just a moment. Nothing I've said so far sounds appealing to me, but that really don't sound appealing to me. The last place I want to do is sit down next to somebody and look over at some dude and he's not even living. I don't want to be sitting with the dead. Verse 7, he has been hedged about. Verse 8, his prayers have been shut out. You ever felt like that? Verse 9, his paths have been made crooked. And I talked to you just a few moments ago when I started about how God makes the crooked way straight sometimes when we don't even know it. Here for Jeremiah, his straight path has been made crooked. Verse 10, he had a lion and a bear after him. Verse 11, he has been desolate. Verse 12, he's been made the mark for the archer's arrow. Verse 13, he's had arrows enter his reins. Verse 14, he became a derision, or rather, he was ridiculed and became a mockery of the people. Now, that's enough to stop most of us. How many enjoy being laughed at? You need to take a stint at youth pastoring. It'll change your life. I see a couple in here that under my tenure loved and I mean absolutely loved to laugh at me <laughs> oh no no not you at all but I'll tell you one thing that I don't believe they ever did and if you did don't tell me I don't want to know I don't think they ever mocked me they laughed in fun we had a lot of fun. 
even when I didn't laugh till later. It was, and now that that retirement of that era of life has set in, I can laugh all I want to now. But Jeremiah was mocked. He was laughed at. He was ridiculed. Verse number 15, he'd been filled with bitterness. That's enough to make you bitter. Verse 16, he had his, look, look, look at this. Are you, thank you, Brother Zach, for following along with me because I didn't give you these. I appreciate that. But look at this. Let's just read the whole verse here. He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. Are you reading that? Can you imagine going out in the parking lot and picking up a handful of gravel and then busting somebody's teeth with it? He hath covered me with ashes. You might as well cover me with ashes after that. Verse 17, he forgot about prosperity. And then, man, this just, just, this just makes the Holy Ghost come up on me every time I get to this point because verses 1 through 17, I tell you, it don't get any blacker than black there. That is as gloom and doom and despair and agony as you can get. But then when you turn the page to verse number 18, Jeremiah says, and I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. We're, we're starting to build now. He, 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 he's, he's still not positive yet, but we're getting there. He's saying, my strength and my hope is gone. But we keep pressing forward, and by the time we get to verse number 21, Jeremiah's mind is changing just a little bit, and he's starting to remember something. He's all he can think. Because see, this is what happens when we are in the middle of adversity. The only thing we can often think about is the adversity, right? When it's bad enough, the 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 thing that is most prevalent in our mind is the thing that's in front of us. I'm forgetting about how good God was yesterday because all I see is what's in front of me and how bad it is right now. Jeremiah has just lamented. He's weak. That's, that's what that word means. He's, he's weeping over all of these bad things. And we get here and he says, This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have... I have what? I have hope. That's good stuff, even if I did say it. I didn't write it. I'm just saying it. I have hope. Now, I, I could almost just make one statement here, say amen, and we could go home early. And it won't be late, but we're not going home yet. But we could just about stop right here and say that if Jeremiah can make it through everything he made it through through the preceding verses of this chapter and then turn right around and say, but you know what? I recall to my mind, I've got hope then we could just about almost say that there is nothing we can go through that should separate us from hope. As a matter of fact, the New Testament writer, Apostle Paul, wrote that, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. So if nothing can separate us from the love of God, and if Jeremiah, as a model example for us, can set the tone of our actions and behavior, can say that in all of these negative things and in all of these bad things of life, I recall hope. Then we should feel pretty good about that.
Because it doesn't matter how dark tomorrow is. There's still a sun shining. And I'm not talking about the S-U-N. I'm talking about the S-O-N. No matter how dark tomorrow is, He is still our hope. You know what? You, you never know where the person you're rubbing shoulders with has been. I can't tell you how many times in my life that I have open mouth, insert foot. Now, before too many of you look at me with the, the, the quiet robe of judgment, just, re just remember, you've probably done the same thing sometime. You just may not have done it as many times as I have. And I hope you haven't. And I hope I don't. But you don't know where people have been. We don't always know why people behave the way that they do. We don't know their weights. We don't know their... Now, I, I know there's some scoundrels out there. I know there's people that it don't matter what they're going through, they're going to be bad. I get that. That's, that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who, who know their God and who try... We don't know their weights. We don't know their hindrances. We don't know what's going on in their world. And sometimes when we think we know, we really don't know half of it. When I was unemployed, I hated, and I, I use that word carefully, but it's, it's true. I hated for someone who thought that their way of showing support was to come up and say, yeah, I know all about it. Really? You've walked in my shoes. No. Brother Terry, I've not walked in your shoes. I've had sickness. I've had issues. I haven't had your issues. I don't pretend to know. And I apologize for just using you as an example. But I don't I don't pretend to know the road that he and his family have walked. But I'll tell you what I do appreciate is that when they're here, that tells me they still have hope. He may not be huckabucking and shouting yet because we're going to keep hope. But that's not what all the presence of God is about to begin with. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. What did he recall? He recalled the calamities of verses 1 through 20. I went through them with you. His trials, after they were over, actually brought, listen to this, his trials brought him hope. I know it's hard to imagine, and again, I realize, and I told you this up front, that what I'm telling you tonight, what I'm sharing with you, it may, not, it may be meaningless to half of you tonight, but I hope it helps you tomorrow. And I don't mean September the 6th, but somewhere tomorrow in your life, the next chapter somewhere, I, I hope you can recall this to your mind and understand that sometimes, that, well, it's not no sometimes, when 
things happen in our life, God's still in control. And it's the trials that brought hope to Jeremiah. I want you to know tonight that Jesus is our only hope. And when he allows a trial, when he allows a circumstance, because let me tell you, there's nothing we're going to go through that he still don't have control over. I don't care how bad it is, how separated it makes you feel from God in the flesh, there is nothing that you are or will go through that God is still not governing over and, and telling the devil when enough is enough. Satan asked God for permission to kill Job, and he said, you can't take his life. You can do this, you can do this, you can do this, but that's as far as you can go. And guess what? That's as far as he went. <laughs> My wife asked me a couple weeks ago, uh, this was right after the surgery and, and everything that happened, and I won't go through that tonight, but uh, she asked me, she said, do you ever feel like Job? And... Uh, I said, well, there's quite the difference between he and I. I don't feel like I'm in that bad of shape. But that particular weekend, right after she asked it, right that, that weekend, things got worse. And I told her, I said, don't ever ask me that again. <laughs> I just don't want to think about it. I don't want to be in the same chapter with Job. I respect him, but I want to respect Job from a distance. But I do understand tonight that Brother Job was still under the control of Almighty God. The same God that we serve. The same God he had hope in and he come out with double life portion with is the same God we serve. And it's the same God that we place our hope in every day his mercies are new. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yes. His mercies are new every day. And it's because of the Lord's mercies I'm not consumed. And that gives me hope. Lord, I've got, you've got me screaming already. I've got to calm down. Jesus is our hope. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul said, and this is a little bit of a tongue twister, but he said, if only I had hope in this life, I would be of all men most miserable. If I could read that in a little bit less King James-esque wording, if the only hope I had in life was here, I'd be a miserable man. As much as I love my family, immediate and extended, as much as I love my church, as much as I love my job, as much as I love my friends, as much as I love life, there's some things about this life I could just absolutely do without. Right? Anybody witness to that? So if my only hope was in those things, man, that's what possibly drives people to the bar because they haven't found hope anywhere else. But we've got something worth hoping for. Amen. I'm about to land the plane tonight. He is our provider. Our hope is in our provider. If you are upset, read John 14. If you're weak, go to Psalms 18, verses 1 through 29. If you're lonely, go to Psalm 23. 
If you've sinned, Psalm 51 is a good one. If you're worried, go to Matthew 8, 19 through 31. If you're anxious, go to Philippians 4, 4 through 9. If you're unhappy, go to Colossians 3, 12 through 17. If you're in danger, go to Psalms 91. If you're depressed, read Psalm 27. If you lack faith, go to Exodus 14. If you need courage, read Joshua 1. If you need direction, go to Psalm 73, 21 through 26. If you're seeking peace tonight, go to Matthew 11, 25 through 30. If you're about to leave on a trip and you desire God's divine protection, go to Psalm 121. If you're struggling with a loss, Luke 15. Struggling financially, Luke 37. And if you're discouraged with work, go to Psalm 126. Now that just pretty well runs the gamut of life. And you can find what you need in the Word of God. Knowing that there is a living Bible. Understand that. The Word of God was not only spoken by God and, 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 and given to men by His Spirit. But that is a living, breathing book. Because it's full of life. There is no other book like it. And everything we need is in it. My hope is in Him. My hope is in His Word. We can find all the hope that we need in the Word of God. Somebody say amen. My hope is in Him tonight. Our hope is in Him. My hope is not based on how many people come to church. Let's just for a moment address the elephant in the room. Too many times we come to church and we look around and our hope is based on what we see or don't see. And we need to get our eyes on Jesus and let our hope be on Him and let God take care of everything else. I'm not here to serve the person who isn't here to begin with. So why should I allow their absence to interrupt my worship? I know every number is about souls, and I know we're reaching and we're striving and we're praying and, 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 and we believe God. But irregardless of the reasons or what happens, or tomorrow, whatever, it, it is all almost meaningless when you compare it against our hope in Him. Because my hope, ladies and gentlemen, our hope has to be in God. I, I, I read something uh, not too long ago. I saw it on Facebook. Of course, you know if it's on Facebook, it's true. I say that with a smile. Don't think I've lost, went delusional on you, okay? But, but the statement itself was true. And it was... Uh, too many people who are church hurt leave the church. Follow me for just a moment. I see the runway. We're almost there. Why would I leave the church over being hurt by people in the church whenever I'm not here to worship them to begin with? There is nothing unique about the church that causes us to not, not be in position to be hurt by one another. We are imperfect people with attitudes, behaviors, and things that are sometimes of God and sometimes not. And there is nothing different about that than there is our family dinners and our work gatherings. If you're going to get hurt by somebody at work, you're going to get hurt by somebody at church. Do you quit your job? Well, no, I need a paycheck. Then why in the name of good sense would you leave your church? Just because some bonehead said something to you you didn't like. Come on now. 
My hope's in him. And let, let me, since I'm on that vein here for just a moment, let me just, just kind of close out by saying this. Not everything you hear is sanctioned by this pulpit. And just because somebody in the church is saying it doesn't make it right. Nor does it make it endorsed. So you need to put screens and filters on your ears on what you listen to and what you don't listen to. And remember, my hope is in him, not what they're saying. The Lord is my portion, said Jeremiah. Therefore, stand with me tonight. Therefore will I hope in him. Amen. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. You know, we, we can just sometimes read scripture and just feel better. But I hope we've left you with something tonight to help you for your tomorrow or your today, wherever you're at in life. Just remember, don't let the enemy put an illusion in front of you. Remember, our hope is in him. I have a strong admiration and appreciation for my employer. I'm very blessed because not everybody can say that. And they're not perfect. But my hope is not in Motorrad. Right, Brother Zach? Our hope's not in Motorrad. Our hope is in the God that we serve. Amen. Let's lift our hands and just thank the Lord for his word tonight. Mighty God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. Lord, we appreciate you. Lord, we ask you, God, to let this word tonight fall on fertile soil. Seal it in our hearts tonight, O oh God. Help us to grow. Help us to draw nearer to you, Lord, in times of need, times of refreshing. And help me, God, in our darkest hours. Help us, Lord, each of us, individually and collectively as the body of Christ. Help us to remember in our darkest hour that not only are your mercies new tomorrow morning and is everything brand new, but help us to remember where our hope lies and our hope lies in you, Lord. And we thank you for that and we praise you for it. And the church said amen. Don't forget, if you're going to men's conference, the train, the bus, leave. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.